Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, is it as dead as the horse we've been beating, or do new developments indicate that there might be a possibility it could be coming back to life? Is Street Fighter V too top-heavy, or is it finally getting close to that magical spot of healthy balance here with Season 3.5? Plus, what kind of reveals are we going to see from Capcom at E3 2018? This is the Event Hubs Podcast. Perfect! Welcome everyone to the very first episode of the Event Hubs podcast. I am the Event Hubs assistant editor, John Guerrero. You might also know me as Velociraptor. With me, my co-host is the president and founder of Event Hubs, John Gray. You may know him as Catalyst. We have a lot to get to today, so John, would you like to kick us off? So I wanted to talk to people today about uh, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. It's actually been buzzing quite a bit on our website. And uh, one of the things I wanted to mention was um, there's a Marvel employee who's definitely still cozy with Capcom. Um, actually sending love to their esports team. Um, and uh, of all people, actually, Combo Fiend was at the Infinity War premiere, uh, and she's got a, a screenshot with our screenshot, a photo with him. Um, and it was kind of interesting. We're, we're looking at it, and it's, it's something we actually didn't include in the story because uh, it was it was a little bit too tenuous. It wasn't like, you know, something that kind of jumped out at people of, like in terms of being like, oh, this really needs to be in there because it's like, oh, it's, it's kind of just a little factoid to throw in. Um, so, so, so you're talking about there's a Marvel employee that works with Marvel that was spotted with Combo Fiend. Yeah, with Combo Fiend actually at the premiere, and there, there's a photo of, of her and him up there, and another gentleman I'm not familiar with. Um, and she, uh, this this former Mar- Marvel employee, actually, or former, former, I should say, a uh, current Marvel employee, um, she was uh, actually sending some love to the esports team. I think uh, Damon Anderson. Um, and so I know Damon. Yeah, yeah. I see yeah. him at. Uh, I see him regularly. Whenever I go to a major on the uh, the pro tour, Damon is sure to be there, and we'll have a conversation or two. And uh, and yeah, but but he's very much involved uh, with the pro tour and such. So, uh, and it's, it's interesting to see. Marvel in a communication with with someone in Capcom like that. Yeah, yeah, and she was actually retweeting some of the um, anniversary announcements for like the tournament and different things like that. Like she's clearly a fan of Street Fighter, um, and so it's again, is it is it this any kind of evidence that points to oh you know Marvel or Capcom Infinite? It's like a, a total lock to get an update now, but it does show that their team is actually still really comfortable with the Capcom guys. They're still on really good terms, which is a positive note. Um, no, I was really happy to see it more so than anything. Yeah, that clashing against, or, or I guess countering the idea that Marvel and Disney and company are just like absolutely angry with Capcom because of their execution of, of Infinite and such, right? I mean, no one's ever said that officially. Um, that's just what a lot of the people in the community have kind of garnered up because, you know, all of the, the negativity surrounding um, Marvel versus Capcom Infinite, it not being an Evo and trying to explain why. So uh, that is interesting though, right? Because, because... I would feel the same way. I I personally was like, it makes sense that Marvel wasn't too happy with Capcom on this, and they're probably just giving them the axe in a lot of ways. So, um, you know, maybe some light there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's I, the game. I, I think Marvel play, pays close attention to social media, and I think they saw a lot of the feedback. And I mean, if you go on Metacritic or anywhere else and you saw the reviews of the game, like almost every single person out there, including our site, said the visuals on this game could use a lot of work still. Like it is not good and i can't see marvel looking at that and going oh yeah that's fine you know kind of thing um uh, we know from other experiences that marvel is very protective over their characters and how they're perceived and how uh how they're used and the fact that some of the characters look like they uh had seen the wrong end of a bat to the face (laughs) um was i don't think they were particularly happy about that and capcom's kind of notorious for not releasing these updates via 
a DLC are like, hey, you know, we just patched a game and, you know, you got a brand new user interface and stuff like that. It's more of, hey, here's a brand new disc. Um, buy this, you know, for 60 bucks and you get all these updates and whatnot. And yeah. uh, my, my thought process would be they would either go the AE route where, where if you bought the game before, you get the free update, you know, like, hey, here's an update. Um, or you pay 20 bucks and you get all the characters or something like that. Like, I, I think Capcom's kind of learned their lesson of not charging a brand new full retail price or close enough to it where, you you know, you've got to buy everything over again. I, I think they'll they'll give a, a good jumping off point if they, in fact, do update this game. So, so you're you're entertaining the idea that it's possible that that Marvel Infinite isn't dead then, right? Like that there's a chance that we could actually see something uh, more from from Capcom in, in the development of this game. Yeah, uh, I did a dramatic 180. Actually, it was um, it was a couple days ago, and we started looking at all the facts of, of different things that Capcom had pointed at, like in terms of esports, uh, specifically Ono actually mentioning their esports plans for the game. And then us knowing that Capcom has like a gigantic esports initiative being pushed forward right now. And it was mm-hmm. kind of like, wow, it's like, and this actually aligns very closely, like them pushing out two major titles um, before, let me see, uh, April 2019. If they're going to do that, like that's a very short window. And one of the easiest ways to pull off that and hit both of the goals is to actually update Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite into a brand new uh, iteration of the game. Uh, remains to be seen. Again, I'm not saying it's a lock by any means, um, but a lot of the evidence is pointing towards a possibility that that actually could be a thing uh, now at this point in time. We we had the leaked esports video from John D, right? And that was kind of a big thing when it happened. Uh, and it was, I believe it was just meant for like background purposes for investors and such, right? To be shown more in like a boardroom uh, yeah. for, for people as opposed to the public, but it made its way to YouTube. And when that happened, uh, some of the things I remember seeing was like the, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't remember the specifics and it's, it's kind of hard to track that down now. It's been taken down uh, off of YouTube, but the idea was like there's going to be a pro tour for Marvel and there's going to be this whole structured plan, right, for the game uh, to, to basically kind of parallel Street Fighter and and do essentially what they're doing with Street Fighter uh, right now. And they have been with the pro tour for the past couple of years. And they were they were talking about specifics like how much money that, you know, they could they could make off of it realistically, how much money would go to prize pools and, and things like that and and how it would be divvied up. It was very specific, right? They had a very specific kind of plan and idea that they were going to go with. And now <laughs> I I. I really do feel like that's probably completely out the window without any announcements thus far. At the at the very least, pushed back, but they would have to, if they wanted to launch something like that, I think that they would have to get in good with the community first because um, it, people just aren't really there anymore. You know, from the local scenes all the way up to I, a Combo Breakers numbers came out yesterday and Marvel's there, uh, but it had something like 170 players, and, and that's good, but Combo Breakers, like, maybe the third biggest uh, uh, major, you know, on the, on the regular Street Fighter or the regular kind of Capcom circuit. And we're just not, you know, 170 when that was supposed to be a game that might have elbowed Street Fighter Five out, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just like, ugh, I don't think so. And and going along with that, like, they, they expected to have this pro tour for Marvel. I think they also expected to have Marvel at EVO. And and that's, that's not going to be a thing. I mean, maybe a side tournament and such. But I really think that from that point when that esports video uh, came out and such, like everything's been put on its head. And from what I have seen personally thus far, I my prediction is I don't think that Marvel's coming back. I don't think mm-hmm. that they're going to be able to to pull this out. And and I because and, one, you know, the players, sure they could be there for it, but 
I, I think that they're only kind of there for it. A lot of them have just migrated to things like Dragon Ball Fighters and, and doing other stuff. That's true in my local scene for the most part. There's a few people that play, but it's very much just like a back of the room, like one setup for people to play kind of game. But I also ha- I haven't seen these like these chapters unfold quite as much as, as you have. I know because you've been paying attention to the fighting game community longer than I have. Um, and, and something that came up in, in our personal discussions just uh, over the last week or so um, is the idea of Capcom not really letting games die all the way. Or you might think that Capcom would let something go completely, and it, and it doesn't. It surprises you and brings it back. Um, do you want to expand on that, though? I mean, it, it's, just, it's interesting their history and, and the success, actually, of uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 3. A lot of people look at that game... Um, and and be like, well, that was a failure. Actually, it did very well. Um, the initial title of Vanilla actually sold over two million copies, and then Ultimate Marvel infamously um, sold, I think, like four hundred thousand copies. I, I'd have to double check the numbers, but then progressively sold more. I think it like ended up at like nine hundred thousand copies eventually. Um, and I mean, the community at one point in time was actually outpacing the Street Fighter Four community in terms of entrance, in terms of, of activity on our website. Uh, Ultimate Marvel. Our Marvel Three or whatever you want to call it is was doing incredibly well for a period of time, and I, I think Capcom wants to recapture that magic again. Uh, obviously, they'd love to, um, and it kind of makes sense that like, hey, we messed up the first go round, like we're going to revisit this again. Uh, I'm not saying again it's a lock. I would actually kind of put it at like about a fifty fifty odds for myself personally um, that they go back to it because it's 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 in their DNA. This is what they do, you know, kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. it would be a completely different story if like Capcom like never did this, but it's like, oh hey, we messed up the game launch. Now we're gonna do an update, totally fix everything, make it awesome, and we're gonna put it out like a year or so, and everyone's gonna love it. It's like, oh okay, well you know that kind of makes sense. Um, so yeah, it, it's. It's a little murky. It's a little tenuous in terms of, of what they could do here. It just I can kind of see the the pathway illuminating a little bit for them to pull it off. Well, I I stand by the idea that I don't think it will happen. I can I can see it happening if a few crucial things uh, take place. Maybe not this year. Maybe give it some time. But then like surprise everybody with just like a, a simple graphics overhaul, right? We've mm-hmm. seen people do mods on Marvel Infinite where they it's just like a little bit of a tweaking in in like the PC version and they make it look a little more comic-y, a little more cartoonish. And that fixes a lot of the issues that people I think had with the visuals, which I think are also like the main problem. Um, that would that acknowledgement of the community. I think would go really, really far with the community, and I think that the gameplay was fun enough. I think it was a it was a decent game. Like I don't think people were were really complaining about um, the, the gameplay. There were a few bugs, but that's that's across the board every single fighting game ever. People were saying this game's still fun. It's just we were kind of turned off about it, and and I think so. An acknowledgement of the community with like an overhaul, with like maybe some release of some new characters if they could get the X Men, something like that. That would be huge. I think they could very, very easily still win over the players. The big question, though, is can they still win over Marvel? Can they get the backing of Marvel? And and I have no idea where they stand on that. Uh, I, I would subscribe to the idea that Marvel wasn't very happy with them. What you started this conversation with, though, with uh, Combo Fiend and, and, and the, uh, the Marvel employee um, being seen together at, like, the Infinity War and, and Premiere and such... And them, you know, showing like a, a, a good public relation still with the Capcom employee, uh, Damon and, and things like that. Maybe, maybe it is possible, but you would have to win both the community and you would have to win Marvel. And 
uh, that's that's asking a lot. I can see it happening with the community. It's too behind the scenes for me to really make a, a call on Marvel, but yeah, it's it's just that it's a it's a hard mountain to climb. So I hope so. I hope that that Marvel comes back and does amazing because or what's good for Marvel is good for the fighting game community in general, right? But I don't want to get my hopes up, especially with the the record that Capcom has had over the last couple of years with their development of Street Fighter Five and Marvel and things like that. That's pretty fair. I, I actually, I'll, I'll chime in from our readers here and say we, we don't want to beat this dead horse too much, but yeah. I'll add that. <laughs> I will add that. I mean, again, when these kind of stories come up, it's like, yeah, we've got to do them. Um, but but we can definitely move on to another item here. Uh, something that's actually been on my mind and we've been talking about is um, the, the top-heavy nature of Street Fighter V in terms of people feeling like some of the characters are just too strong. And actually, uh, I know you had some strong opinions about this, so did you want to jump in? Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's see. There was an article that came out on uh, the Twin Galaxies site recently, uh, essentially saying that Street Fighter V is one of the most, if not the most, like top-heavy games, um, essentially meaning that the top tiers are so far out in front of everybody else that it's it's really breaking the game. It's not fun to play. You, If you want to win... You have to pick one of these characters, and, and you're restricted to only doing that. You go to the, the character select screen, and if you're playing competitively, you have like five or six. I, actually, I think you maybe, have, maybe you said like the top ten you'd have to have in order to have any chance of winning at all. And saying that this is like worse than, than previous Street Fighters or other games that are out there right now, I, I, I really don't buy it. In fact, Season 3.5... Uh, I think it might be the the most balanced season we've had so far, um, and I say that with with a pretty good amount of of um, certainty. It, I mean, things could could develop, of course. There's always that caveat, but it really feels like you know you you don't have that season one Mika, season one Chun Li, season two Balrog, Laura, Urian. You don't have uh, just what Abigail and Rashid were. You have Cammy, and like she's definitely great, probably the best. But that doesn't mean you're seeing Cammy just dominate everything and just all top eights of Cammy. And like, if you run into a Cammy online, it's like, oh man, this is for sure a loss, even if it's like some scrub that just knows how to push one button. Like the game isn't broken like that. And I think that a lot of people will uh, just be involved in the immediacy of 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 Street Fighter or, or whatever game that is they're playing, right? And they'll come off of a loss online and it's really frustrating and they'll be emotionally charged and they'll hit up a forum or a comment thread or whatever and express themselves there and it's like, this is the worst thing ever and Street Fighter V is so top-heavy and so overwhelmingly, like, you know, imbalanced and things like that, unbalanced. And th- it's talking more like from this place where they're immersed right now in in you know the emotion of losing and frustration and things like that but they're and then they look back and they're like but street fighter 4 was so great street fighter 3 was you know that, those are the glory days and and those games absolutely were fun uh, and and they were in their own respects glory days but if you're going to try to make an argument that street fighter 5 is not as balanced as one of those other games like get out of here they're not even on the same plane but street fighter 5 very much is built on the backs of these other games and that information is the 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 developers are aware of it and and i think they've done a very good job um it's not perfect by any means um but i would argue that instead of focusing on the top of street fighter 5 you would focus more on the bottom and just bringing up those lower tier characters because i think that's more of a point of grief and and People are going to be more upset about that than they are, you know, about Alex and Fang and Ryu and, and, and characters like that than they are about Cammy right now. I'd be careful there because, I, I, again, I, I would 
we both play high tier characters. I play Minot, you play N- Nikali. Um, and there's a different perception you have when you do play a high tier character in this game. And I, I want to own up to that. Uh, Minot was lower tier uh, before this, um, uh, rightfully or wrongfully so. I'm not quite sure in terms of, of accuracy. Uh, she was always pretty darn good, but um, uh, getting, you know the, the 3.0 buffs for her were, were definitely a big deal. I generally agree. Again, I, I want to state this for, for emphasis that Street Fighter V is a very well-balanced game. Um, I don't know if the right approach, though, is keeping the high-tier characters as strong as they are. Um, you know, you see enough things and in, in you start to feel a little bit like, man, Monat's like standing heavy punch. Like, it recovers really fast. It's like, you've got to very much like heavily predict that. And I'm like, is that exactly fair if I'm going up against a Vega player to have that? You know, kind of thing like Vega's pretty much got to get destroyed. And is it, you know, it, you don't want to take away what's fun about the character though either. Um, and so there's a really delicate balancing process that goes into these games. And um, I remember Seth Killian talking about this quite a bit uh, of Vega with all characters. Um, in Street Fighter 4, uh, Vega was considered to be one of the worst characters kind of throughout the entire franchise or that entire um, entry in the series I should say and Seth actually said like right before the game shipped um, he was the number one character in the game like hands down um, and it was like Vega I'm like are we talking about the same character here you got you know mask claw you know kind of thing but the balance in here is very delicate uh, much more delicate than people realize um, and I will actually go back to Abigail and Rashid here um, we all kind of saw the, the balance changes on paper with those two characters and we're like man they went too far like these two characters like they're they're they kind of obliterated them and we're seeing in tournaments now that both abigail and rashid um they do not have their former glory but they ha- are still very much holding on to it uh those characters are all over top eights they're all over tournaments they're still played uh, a number of people have dropped them but not a lot you know kind of thing so yeah it, it's interesting there there's a little bit of a lining of of um community thought process that i get you know kind of thing is when you play a low low tier character you, your life is harder your life is quite a bit harder. Sure. Yeah. Um, and and when you're playing a high tier character, like your perception can get a little bit skewed because it's like, oh yeah, like I really like this and it seems fair because I'm playing against other high tier characters that are great, you know, kind of thing. So so yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's an argument I would make, but an observation at least that I would make about five right now. There are definitely the top tiers for sure. Um, Guile's better than Alex. You know, Cammy's better than than Ryu. All that stuff. Like, not arguing that. But I do think that the viable character tier. That's to say, the characters that can still win. They might need to work a little bit harder, but but they can absolutely still hang. And it's not like it's not like a miracle if they win a tournament match or anything like that, or or, or win a match in general, a tournament in general, I should say. Um, I think that the viability tier is pretty big. There aren't as many characters that just come completely nullify most of the cast and, and dishearten everybody from playing. Um, and, and I think that's kind of like the argument that was being made in that uh, mm-hmm. Twin Galaxies article that's like, you have to pick these you know, five or so characters, and if you don't, then you're done. It's like, no, I think you could pick a, a good portion of the cast um, you know, there, there's characters like like Armika. She's not the best. She's got a, a little bit of a damage buff, but man, you you get one right read with Mika, take your you know your opponent to the corner and and put him in that um, you know that kind of like set play. She can melt anybody. Doesn't matter who you are. Um, Laura's a shell of her former glory, but you get to that V trigger point and she puts you in the Lortex, you're, you're done, you know? Like, a lot of times, uh, it's it's like you can't really count those characters out. They don't have all the tools that other characters have, sure, but 
Um, I think that they can still get the job done. And and that's going to be like, what else can you ask for from a fighting game? You don't want just a whole bunch of clones that have all the same moves that are completely balanced and completely equal in skill. Some people like picking a little bit lower tier so that they can feel more accomplished or, or you know, there, there's a whole bunch of different reasons why you would pick different characters and such. But, um, you know, other sleepers right now, Zeku. Zeku is not easy to play. I mean, he's he's basically two characters in one, but I'm seeing him a lot more online right now. And oh my gosh, that character has so much potential. It's actually interesting with Zeku. Um, Steven Dream King, um, he, uh, he's a Zeku main, and uh, he's playing the character a pretty high clip he's already. He's an everybody main, by the way. Yeah. He plays a different <laughs> character every 10 minutes, but right now he's a Zeku main. That's cool. Right, right. That's that's pretty accurate. Um, but Japan, most of the tier lists I'm seeing from Japan, they're, they're calling Zeku a pretty low tier character. And it seems stateside that the character is actually very well regarded. Um, and I think it kind of goes back to actually Laura of all characters. Um, Japan, a lot of players over there did not seem to think she was that good in season two and 2.5. Uh, and then stateside, we had players like Idom, Wolf Crone, and others that were just incredible with her and, and destroying people. And it's like, well, yeah, I, there's no way this is a low tier character kind of thing. And it seems like we actually have history repeating itself a little bit with Zeku. Yeah, absolutely. And then you got like Sakura who got buffs, and I don't even think Sakura was that bad. I think people were trying to play her like she was in Street Fighter 4 and saw that she doesn't really play that way as much, and so therefore felt like she was bad. Um, and, and that happens so much with a brand new character. You're like, oh, I'm not good with this character, so it must not be good. It's like, well, you've played it for 10 minutes. How, how would you expect to be able to hang with people that have been playing these other characters for, for two years, you know? Um, but but she's leveling up. Blanca leveled up. I don't know if, if Blanca's super viable yet, but, like, you know, you have Alex Valle saying he's a way better character than he was. You have Cast Blanca now back on, like, you know, playing more seriously and, and, and putting out videos and such of, of his successes. Ken's winning, you know, Chris T is, is winning tournaments with Ken now. Um, and it's like, no, is Ken the best? No, but he can absolutely get the job done. He's mm-hmm. got to work to like maybe get into your face. But once he's in there, it sucks to have Ken on you and knocking you down and oh, yeah. and, uh, and and being on you like like flypaper. Uh, he can really melt you. And it's like, so so I say all that to say there are a lot of characters that can get the job done. If you want it to be, you know, easy mode, sure. Pick Kami, pick Guile and get good with those characters. Pick Akuma. But at the same time, it's like, I feel that there are plenty of characters that, that can still do it. And so, um, you know, built on 30 years of experience and such, I'm pretty damn happy with where Street Fighter V is right now, balance-wise. Outside of asking for a perfectly balanced game that's never existed, and I don't even know if it could exist, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy playing it. And I'm, there's no character that I run into, I'm like, oh, great, now I'm going to lose for free. It's like, oh, this might be a little bit harder. But I have fun playing Kami's. I have fun playing Guile's. Mm-hmm. Um, I look forward to playing Akuma's. And and if you're looking forward to playing the top tiers because it's, like, exciting, it's like, yeah, it's a challenge, right? But it's not impossible. And, and that's where I feel like the game's at right now. Yeah, uh, I think the game's in a pretty good spot, too. The community thought process that goes behind this stuff, it's so much of the uh, echo chamber. This character is really broken or stupid or other things like that. Sometimes people get it right. Abigail was broken and stupid, in my opinion. (laughs) I will never back off that one. And I mean, I think they nerfed the crap out of the character and the character is still performing very well. Um, I think that's evidence enough of of that. Yeah, there's a lot of... of, I I used to play a game called EverQuest and there was a class in there called uh, a rogue class, you know, a thief, rogue, whatever you want to call it. And the classic thing was like, they would always say like, hey, my class sucks. They they can't do enough damage. They don't have enough abilities and all that kind of stuff. They they can't keep up. And so when it came, you could have uh, six people in a party when it came to like the time for the rogue to ask in the party, like, hey, can I go with you guys in adventure? Everyone's like, no, you suck. <laughs> like, you're not coming with us. Kind of Get thing. out of here, nerd. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it was like, well, no, it's a, and, and so there was a little bit of that going on for sure, and I do think that happens in fighting games, especially in a game like Street Fighter Five, where your confidence and your mental approach is so incredibly important. If you do not have that edge, if you do not have that, I'm pushing you know the pedal to the metal most of the time, uh, you're going to get blown up, you know, kind of thing. And so if you feel like your character sucks. Yeah, it's probably time to change it up, but I do agree with you that the viability tier in this game is pretty damn good. It actually reminds me a lot of Ultra Street Fighter 4, where you saw, I don't know, around 15 to 20 characters like pretty consistently uh, over a multitude of tournaments. And I think we're seeing actually close to the same thing here with, uh, with Street Fighter V. Uh, even a character like Vega, who I have a, a personal experience with being really crappy, um, you're actually seeing the character kind of pop up here and there, and I'm like, I don't know how you guys are doing this. I don't know why you are doing this. That would be the better <laughs> question. Why are you doing this? But, I mean, even then, they're, they're still able to get results with the character. And there's really only a handful of characters like Alex and Fong. Um, I want to say Ryu now. because um, I, I, I think, think Ryu's not are. that terrible. He's not great, but I, I think they've given him more and more stuff. And, and like, Alex Vai is, like, playing him again and stuff. And it's, like, there are, there are definitely better characters to pick. But Ryu has some tools now. And, and it's, like, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily see him winning tournaments. But, but I think he's a lot better than he was. I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. No, that, that's fine. I mean, it, it's so much of this stuff. It, it goes back to CN winning uh, Evo again. You know, uh, there were yeah, there was a handful of people that said um, Gin is a really good character. Uh, Justin Wong is one of them. Uh, Justin does not get all of his character predictions correct, but he does have some really good insight into things and, and understands the game on a very different level than most other people do. But besides the point, um, and Snake Eyes winning, oh my goodness, Snake Eyes winning uh, HD Remix Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo HD Remix Evo with Zangief. Kind of How about thing. Snake Eyes doing the... as good as in Street Fighter 4 with Zangief? A character's yeah. like, oh yeah, you can't beat you can't beat Sagat. And, and Snake Eyes would make Sagat's look silly, right? Yes, yes. And I, it's, you need to see, you need to believe in your character. If you do not believe in your character and you do not see what they can do very well, that's where the issues usually come in. But if you can dig into a character and see how they can perform at a top level, you can see the tactics and things that they have, then put the time in. There are a lot of people who do not know what they're talking about <laughs> in the community, um, ourselves included, um, where we have perceptions, you know, I was just calling out Ryu just a minute ago, and, you know, maybe it turns out he's like a mid-tier character or better, you know, kind of thing, and, and we've been mm -hmm. sleeping on him. Um, the history of fighting games shows that people sleep on characters all the time. Um, you have someone like Damdai come in and take uh, Street Fighter IV's option selects and adapt them to old T-Hawk. And you make old T-Hawk, who was just freaking garbage. He <laughs> was laughed at up and down. That is a garbage character throughout you know, the, the series. It's just he, or not throughout the series, but uh, in Super Street Fighter II Turbo. Uh, oh, gosh. I mean, it was just, uh, I think GamePro Magazine called him a token waster. T-Hawk is a token waster. Like, you're just throwing your money away. And But yet, he goes in and he does some kind of weird, like, diagrammed option select and hits 15 <laughs> buttons with a third arm that he grows out to do it or whatever he did there. Um, and, and But he comes up with an option select that either DPs you or SPDs you, uh, and you can't escape it unless you do a perfectly timed reversal, you know, kind of thing. And e maybe even then, I think it was safe. Like, it was, if he pulled it off, you were dead, you know, kind of thing. And it was like, oh, wow. Like, and, and you kind of never know what tech exists out there and what you can put into. Um, 
again, it's just it's a lot of echo chamber. It's a lot of follow the leader. Well, uh, infiltration is doing this, so I'm going to do that too, you know, kind of thing. And uh, we saw it very recently with Falk. Um, a lot of people are saying Falk was complete garbage. Uh, Justin Wong takes her at the Cup uh, Master Series and wins a tournament with her. Uh, not exclusively, but he still won the tournament with Falk. And if that's the worst character in the game, I don't think he pulls off that feat. Yeah, absolutely. And and like so so I, I think the the so what the takeaway from this is or one of the big takeaways from this is to warn people not to just take the first reaction you have to these characters and like someone says Falk's worse in the game. Okay, well now she's the worst. And then well, what's going to happen if she really is perceived as the worst? Then no one's going to play her and no one's going to continue to develop her. And and it's 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 a fool's, you know, quest to say like, "Hey, fighting game community, stop talking negative about characters so that we can, you know, fully flesh them out and such." But but like you you just showed a couple of different examples of characters that I think people would write off completely. Um and and like someone's like, "No, I'm I'm going to go against that. And I'm going to try my best for whatever reason." reason they want to play the character um they believe in them they just like what the, you know the, the character's style they like what how they look whatever um you know i i, I kind of did that with uh, with goken there there weren't any really other gokens for the most part in the tournament scene almost ever and um it's just like you know one person can can highlight that or a few people can highlight it and bring them back into like this this like space of question where people can like entertain the idea that maybe they're not as bad as you think and um and and I just don't want people to abandon the lower tiers or the perceived lower tiers uh, as though they've completely investigated them when, when they haven't, you know, done their due diligence yet. So, but, uh, yeah, I think we should, uh, we should jump on to, uh, to round three here and, um, let's see, looking for, we were like what, 20, 26, 27 days away from, from E3 2018, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yes, we are. And uh, so uh, do you want to go ahead and intro this as yeah. something you were talking about recently to us and, and trying to get us to write about and whatnot on the site? So. <laughs> yeah, I do that a lot, actually, try to uh, stir things up there behind the scenes. But um, one of the things uh, um, I was kind of curious about, no, we know for sure that Capcom is going to be um, demoing um, uh, Street Fighter V at E3 again. Uh, now, they've had it there every single year, um, I think since uh, it was announced or close enough to it. And one of the rumors we're kind of hearing about, and I don't know how much weight we want to put into it, um, is a, potentially another set of, of DLC characters um, uh, being don't shown beyond. Don't you tease me like that. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a... Uh, um, it, it, so it would be basically a second set of, of Season 3 characters. And again, it's it, it's not a lot. It's not something like, oh yeah, this is you know a lock and stuff like that. Uh We've heard it from a few different sources and whatnot. And one of the reasons how come we think it like could hold a little bit of weight is um, Sagat and Sakura uh, were playtested pretty heavily at the end of season one, uh, and now they're finally coming out as um, season three characters here. Well, yeah, we we heard about like I mean I I personally never saw it, but mm-hmm. when I when I was visiting Capcom Cup uh, in twenty the end of twenty sixteen, so the end of season one, there were heavy rumors from those guys right there in NorCal saying that like yeah we've seen Sagat being played. Um, that kind of a thing, and, and and Sakura as well. So it was like everyone was expecting them in season two, uh, but of course we didn't get them here until uh, season three. But yeah, that that's they were around. Uh, at least that's what that was the word on the street. Yes. So this is a, it's a rumor that's been going around for a little while. Um, I will uh, one of the sources here is a Flotron, um, who we knew um, he he flat out said that Q Oro C Viper Necro would not make it into season three, um, but there have been whispers about these particular characters um, quite a bit, I'm sure, because of the uh, the game story mode. Um, you know, these uh, various characters showing up, uh, Necro being in the background, Q just being very heavy fan demand. 
so I, I wouldn't put it completely past Capcom to pull something off like this. Um, but just based on the release schedule that we've seen so far, the characters, we kind of expected everything to be front loaded. Like if we were, you know, if we already had basically Cody out by this time, um, you know, and Sagat was looking like he'd be coming out in July, like we kind of saw this potentially happening. But just with what what's going on, we're, we're kind of expecting a pretty tame uh, set of circumstances for Capcom uh, in Street Fighter V at E3. But it does potentially open the door. Uh, for maybe a Marvel vs. Capcom upgrade um, uh, announcement there. That, that's one of the things that we're potentially looking at. Um, I personally feel like it's, some people are saying it's, you know, E3 or bust. You know, basically, like, if we don't see it at E3, it's not happening. Um, I, I personally feel like, you know, Tokyo Game Show or the PlayStation Experience um, later on during the year, like, it's, it's a pretty wide window. And for Capcom to put out an upgraded product and, and announce it at those events, I think is perfectly reasonable. So, <laughs> holding out hope for maybe a new Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite uh, announcement, development, something of, something of the sort, uh, what would that be at this point? Do you have an idea? I mean, it's basically what we've talked about. Uh, I think that um, uh, I think that pretty much just starting with the graphics, putting a new shader on stuff, making it the comic book look, I think that's kind of the main thing that, that we're looking at for, for an upgrade. Uh, you have to start with the graphics and then you have to start with the roster. Those are the two main complaints that people have addressed. And I think that once we see those two things um, properly addressed, I, I, I played Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite to start with and uh, I had a certain team in mind and then I was looking at, at the character roster and going... There's no one else that I have any interest in playing whatsoever. And it was very, very disappointing. And if those initial characters don't, you know, strike your fancy for some reason, it's like, well, guess what? There's no one else. You know, kind of thing. And I know they had DLC plans and other things like that. And the roster just did not fit well for uh, a verse game, you know, for what the, the established norm is for Capcom. Um, too, too short, um, you're missing the the iconic characters they did another street fighter three where it's like okay here's some of the iconic characters and then no one else you know kind of thing um and and yeah so but, but how about you like did you find the, the roster selection to be as shallow as i did or, or how did you feel about it i mean i'm i'm not really a marvel player to begin with there were times during the development process and during the reveals where like that kind of looks cool like maybe maybe i'll like you know try to play it a little more seriously um, and, and then them bringing Venom back in particular, which I never even got Venom because he was DLC, and by that time I was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not playing this game. But uh, you know, <laughs> there, there absolutely are characters that they could bring in, and like I was saying earlier, that would really uh, pump up the the community. Um, that that like one characters that they want to play, and two, the idea that they're you know acknowledging uh, the the fans and what the fans want. Um, so I, I mean, if there were a reveal for for MVCI at E3, I think that it would have to be like uh, maybe six new characters or something. Maybe probably like planned DLC. I'm sure they had a, a couple of uh, DLC characters, a couple more I should say, than what we actually got um, like like on the books um, to be released. And, and I think that they would have to repackage the whole thing. It would have to be like a, a you know, super Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite or ult Ultimate, you know, whatever. Whatever they want to do, but like it's got to be like kind of a, a new title like they did with Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3. I think you would have to have like a grand reopening kind of a thing. Um, it's not impossible, but again, it, it comes down to like what's going on behind the scenes with Marvel, uh, and and are they going to allow for this kind of a thing? Um, they did just recently do an update, so that's interesting. That kind of came out yesterday, day before yesterday, where the uh, I, I as far as we know, like the only big thing that changed was they got rid of the uh, 
the DRM um, anti-piracy stuff on the PC version, right? Was mm-hmm. that were there any other big changes that happened to the game that we know of? Not that, that we update? know of yet. Yeah, we're, we're um we've got to wait for the data miners to really get in there and, and dig it apart. But um, it, it's interesting that they updated all versions of the game, even though the DRM is not supposed to exist on the console versions. Right, and and so so that's been kind of interesting because the PC version was huge. It was like like sixteen gigs or something like that. The Xbox One version was like a ten gig update, and then the PS4 was like a few megabytes. Yeah, like four hundred megabytes. Yeah. Yeah, and you're like, what is this? These are you know like are you bringing in new characters like only to the PC version or something like that? Because that that the the disparity there is 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 crazy. But then you look at like, well, we know that they removed the DRM um, anti piracy. You know, I, I don't know if it's like a, a program or, or whatnot mm-hmm. on the PC version because that doesn't really apply to the console versions. And maybe it's like, well, everything that we needed to do in order to do that required that size of an update. I, I was also hearing uh, yesterday on Best of Five, we were kind of talking about this, and the way PC updates is different than the way that consoles update. And like mm-hmm. it has to, like, this is really like basic non-understanding of all this, but it essentially has to go back through all of the other previous versions and updates and like acknowledge them. And that makes the, the, um, the, the update file size bigger and things like that. So there's, there's some conversation going on right now about the, the disparity in the sizes though, but the, uh, the DRM removal kind of might account for that. Yeah. Just coming from a programming background, they're, they're labeling this stuff as release candidates out there. And it's interesting that they're going back to update the game. Um, I don't think that any of the other games that they have on Steam have this DRM stuff in there. And we know from Tekken 7 and Harada that this DRM has some particular issues with it, uh, performance issues and probably some other issues that we're not familiar with. It, it's been somewhat of an infamous DRM uh, implementation, not rootkit level, but it's been <laughs> it's had its issues here. You could completely write this off as just being, you know, a DRM update and that's it. You know, and it's a perfectly reasonable explanation. And yet at the same time, uh, it could be something more because it's like why did the console versions get updated and why are they going through and iterating this like is there something more on the horizon um one of the things that we saw with street fighter 4 is the steam update uh, uh database actually had multiple uh updates for that for the dlc costumes that we saw coming and so like you know the the animal costumes that we saw and like that i want to say this is totally wrong but the fruit based costumes we saw like uh i i'm trying to remember what that was but you know, we saw a lot of costume updates come through here and, and basically you know steam led the way on that in terms of like basically announcing that before it was ready um Mm. if the game is truly dead why are you going back to update it unless there's i mean there's unless there's major issues we have not heard about before you know kind of thing it's like and no one has brought major issues to light with marvel vs. capcom infinite it's like if the game is truly dead why are you still messing with it at all you know kind of thing and it's again we were journalists we have to be skeptical of this stuff at the same time we have to have a nose for news um, something is happening here, you know, kind of thing. Uh, is it an easy explanation or is there something more that we should go off of here? So, Yeah, I mean, so where I'm at personally with the last couple of years of Street Fighter V with Capcom and, and, and how those have come and, and the way they've interacted with the community for the majority of that and the times that we've been let down um, on that front, I'm like, yeah, I'm not expecting anything from these guys and anything that happens great i'm i'm overjoyed because i didn't expect it at all so that's kind of where i stand personally it's probably where a lot of people um are at like just i just got to protect my heart man you know because because i've been you know let down too many times but 
again, it would be great. It would be great to see that for, for any of these games um, to, to get like a boost of revival um, because, like I said, what's good for the individuals here is, is good for the FGC as a whole. So I would love to see a resurgence. I would love to see freaking Wolverine pop up in Marvel <laughs> vs. Capcom Infinite. Can you imagine what would happen if they're just like, yo, Wolverine, Doom, uh, Storm, Sentinel, whoever, you know, from the, from the X-Men um, and such are, are coming in um we're gonna we're gonna have these guys in there we're gonna just do this little tweak where we change the graphics and and there you go and then the gameplay is already off and away it's 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 doing fine um it really could be a game and uh but i'm not gonna get ahead of myself and and hope for too much because it's capcom yeah and, and this is actually a great preview of how our internal meetings go with this stuff it's like okay marvel it's a dead horse everyone's told it's a dead horse let's put it to bed and yet it comes up again you know kind of thing we'll, we'll start talking about you know street fighter 5 or e3 plans and different things and all of a sudden marvel's right back up on our radar and we're like oh there's a new interesting angle we didn't think about before and it's honestly how it goes a lot of times around here and it's why you see these stories like keep coming up because we're talking about them behind the scenes we're we're seeing new angles and new things about it that we did not see before before. Um, but again, we'll, we'll go ahead and put this one to bed here. I, I, I don't want to want to hit too much on the Marvel bit. Uh, and if more stuff comes up, of course, we'll, we'll talk about it. But um, I want to try find and... this dead horse's head in the bed. Yes. Hopefully now that Capcom has, has you know, been following us for a little while, they'll uh, they'll put a dead horse character in the game in our honor and stuff like that. And call yeah. it like, you know, hubs or something. Anyway. Um, but uh, I did want to talk actually about the 30th anniversary of Street Fighter coming up here at the end of the month. And I uh, particularly Capcom's uh, tournament series on it. Um, it's a very short tournament series. There's only three events it's actually going to be. Um, and I, I think one of the things that's going on is a little bit of a new age kind of marketing uh, approach. And that is, instead of spending the marketing budget entirely on TV, radio, print, whatever, um, online, of course, uh, they're basically saying like, hey, we're going we're gonna to dump some money into the community and kind of let the community kind of promote these these things for us and, and a little bit more of a grassroots type thing. And I think a lot of companies are doing this. They're taking the marketing budget and basically saying, hey, we're going to allot this to um, the prize pool for these events. And I, I think it's a really good um, a really good thing for the companies to do. And I think it obviously benefits the fighting game community. So that's wonderful for us. Um, but I think it's a pretty consistent thing now. Um, and again, it's, I, I, what is it, $21,000, I think. Um, mm-hmm. so that, 7K for each of the three events, yeah. Yeah, and, and I mean, obviously, there's there's a little bit more that goes into promoting the stuff. Uh, they've got a nice website, a trailer, all that kind of stuff. Um, but so let's just say they earmark like $30,000 of the game's marketing budget and say, hey, we're going to push this out there and, you know, give this back to the community and kind of let them promote it for us. Um, and so you get that much more grassroots kind of, kind of thing. Um, and it really spreads it in the community quite a bit. And it gives people a reason to pick it up and to play it again. Uh, really hits the hardcore people. And, you know, I, I think a lot of companies are doing this now. And I think it's a very good thing. Um, the, just on the note of, of this, of like these older games coming back to the forefront, at least for a moment, um, they're, they're doing it right. They're getting a lot of, of positive, you know, publicity about it. People are excited. I haven't seen anyone complaining about this, um, really at all. Uh, and, and what it's going to do though, is it's going to give more perspective to people that didn't play, to mm-hmm. to 16ers, to 09ers like myself, um, you know, like I've, I've I've I don't think I've ever played Alpha or any of the oh, Alphas, man. yeah. And and it's like you think that <laughs> you think Street Fighter Five's top heavy. Play some Third Strike, you know. Play some Alpha. What I mean, I don't know if if Alpha's super broken. I assume it is because it's an old Street Fighter game. But um, you know, like, and, and you'll see like, oh, 
the things that I'm whining about or the things that I perceive, and it's not even just the negatives. It's not even just the right. negatives. That's the first place right. my brain goes because we deal with that the most. But like, it just gives you a whole new perspective on where things are. And, and you know, you take someone like, there, there are a lot of loud people on social media. And then you have someone like Alex Valle who's been there through all of it and very, very intimately been there through all of it. And, and he'll have like, you know, his issues and things with stuff, but his perspective on this stuff, like when something bad happens, he's got a lot more of an understanding and a patient attitude with things. Uh, he often harkens back to like, you know, you think this was bad or you think this was crazy. You don't even know, yep. you know, and, and, and I think that giving the current generation which is which is huge right because street fighter 4 brought in so many new people with you know online and it was it was something of a golden age of fighting games um and and a revival of fighting games in a lot of ways and then now you have street fighter 5 continuing that trend and you have the the community has grown in in massive ways and you're going to give uh this new very very significant chunk of information to a lot of the people that have not seen that yet and i think that ultimately it will have a very positive effect on the community in general for the people that go back and play for the the experience where things are coming from it's just going to give them a better perspective and i am excited to see how that plays out yeah uh, i'm a i'm a rose main uh the reason how come i love rose so much is uh, street fighter alpha 2 um, what was her move there? Crouching medium punch? Yes, <laughs> I yeah. definitely wrote an article on that one. But uh, <laughs> the other day, I shared a, a, a combo video clip uh, with uh, Dream King. Just you know, we were talking about Rose, and we like to razz each other back at work with, with different things. And uh, this is Rose doing ninety to hundred percent damage combos on you know computer dummy and whatnot. And some of them are not practical, but some of them are entirely practical. Um, <laughs> it's like yeah, you know, the circumstances have to be right, but at the same time, it's like there's no ninety to hundred percent damage combos in this game, and there is an alpha three and alpha two for that matter. Um, and oh man, it's a, one of my favorite things is actually uh, of all things the Valle custom custom combo and that is um named after alex valle and basically the the principle of it is in street fighter alpha 2 if you activate custom combo which is done by i believe hitting three buttons of varying strengths uh not like uh three punches or three kicks but like um uh you know two punches and one kick or something like that uh it's, it's been a while but anyway if you're standing up and i activate my custom combo i can instantly sweep you and then go into a 40 to 50 to 60 percent damage custom combo and so that meant that if you were stand blocking in that game, you were typically opening yourself up for a, a big combo kind of at the drop of a hat. And Rose of all characters has about a half screen sweep. Um, and oh man, her custom combos were just devastating. And and so custom combos were like a really big thing for a while. Uh, and the game actually got much more defensive. Uh, you can see why, because people are just going to sit there and crouch block. And then your, your, uh, your medium punches in that game were just godlike. Um, and just anyway, so the point is, there is so much broken and fun stuff in these old games. Like it's a blast to play them, but like competitively, um, there was actually a big movement back in the day uh, to get away from Street Fighter Alpha Three uh, because a lot of people felt that Street Fighter Alpha Two was a much more uh, superior game competitively, and that you know, like, hey, like Alpha Three is just too broken to play properly, <laughs> you know, huh. kind of stuff. And it, it, it's it still had its moment in the sun, you know, kind of thing. Uh, a lot of these games did. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, one of the few games that actually held the test of time was, um, uh, Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo, uh, and that game, oh boy, uh, when you see Chun-Li charging at you, like, holding forward, uh, and her, her super move is a, a charge motion, uh, like, and she goes right into her super move as she's running forward all the way across screen kind of thing, because oh, you can, partitioning. yeah, you can, you can store charges and stuff with a few characters, uh, you start to realize some of the broken mess that is this game, um, and again, it's, it's, 
you can play through the brokenness, you know, kind of thing. You can adapt to it, and it's the brokenness oftentimes does not define these games. It's how you adapt to them and how you play them that that really defines what they are. Well said. And that concludes episode one of the Event Hubs podcast. If you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, please hit us up in the comment section. We would love to hear any suggestions as to what you would like to hear us talk about or fight about in the uh, future episodes of this. If you could, jump on iTunes and give us a review. That really makes or breaks things like this, so we would really appreciate that. Um, Until next time, I've been John Guerrero with me, my co-host, John Gray. We'll see you next week.